It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 931- one three eight one four five six seven or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study uh, good evening and welcome to the virtual bible study this is january uh 22nd thursday january 22nd edition of the virtual bible study my name is greg Gwynn, and we invite you to the virtual Bible study episode tonight. We're glad that you're out there in cyberspace, and we hope you'll join in with us in a discussion of an important Bible matter. Monty Overton, Jacob's not with us again this week, but hopefully he'll be back next week. I'm, I'm sitting in his chair, and Monty Overton is sitting in mine. Monty, welcome. Thank you, Greg. It's good to be here. Thanks for joining us and running the board to Anthony Petroshko. Anthony, thanks for being here tonight. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Just a minute. i got to get you up there. Try that again. All right. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> I'm going to leave that up tonight so so okay. you can join in the discussion. So, um, We've got t- an important topic tonight, but before we get to that, let us tell you how you can participate. You can always call in. We have a toll-free number, 877-381-4567. You can send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Collegeview is spelled C-O-L-L-E-G-E-V-U-E, collegeview.com. Questions at collegeview.com. We'll get you an, uh, get your email to us. We'll try to uh, monitor the email inbox as we go through the program tonight. But, of course, the, most of our feedback these days comes through our live chat room. And at the window where you are seeing the video, just below the video, is the chat room. And join in there. Uh, we've got several people in there, but a lot of you have not identified yourself. You can give yourself a uh, a pen name, a pseudo name of some sort, uh, so, so we can keep you identified. You can give your real name if you want to. Uh, we see Sarah in there and Randy in Michigan, John in Oklahoma, uh, Mike in Ohio. Uh, we see Arthur in Cullioca. So we know a lot of you who are in there, but we'd like to, to get the rest of you to identify yourself and join in the conversation tonight. We have a subject that, amazingly, I think we've never talked about on the virtual Bible study before uh, in in the uh, going on 10 years of the virtual Bible study now. We've covered so many Bible topics. Monty, it's pretty hard to find one that we haven't talked about at some point in the past, but I don't think we ever talked about this one. You know, there's a lot of things we've talked about more than once, but this one we hadn't covered, yeah. so we're happy to do it tonight. Yeah, we're going to talk about gluttony tonight, which is a Bible subject. In fact, uh, I, I preached a lesson on this last Sunday night. Uh, uh, it had been suggested that maybe we had done badly in regards to ignoring this subject or or not addressing this subject uh and so uh because we don't want to do that we want to cover all important bible subjects well really all bible subjects deserve to be covered and so i preached on it sunday night uh but i thought we might follow up with a discussion about that on our program tonight i know anthony you had a number of things to say about the topic you've you've studied nutrition a lot and you are a biologist by by training and education uh, so I thought, especially since you'd be here tonight, you could join with this discussion. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I thought the sermon was really good and on point, and I I think it's something that we you know we we ought to study and be aware of. Okay, so 
we, we want your feedback, too. If you're out there uh, listening tonight, uh, please uh, join in the discussion. We'll be glad to hear from you. We've got some emails in, and, and uh, we're seeking more feedback from you. Uh, earlier today to our update list, we always remind you, you can get on that list if you're not by sending us again an email to questions at collegeview.com. Just say, add me to the list and we'll do that. On Thursdays midday, we send out a notice by email about what our topic is going to be. Today we indicated our topic will be gluttony. And then we give some questions that we want to try to cover in the course of our discussion. And here were the questions we sent out today. Number one, what are some misconceptions about what constitutes gluttony? Number two, what is the correct definition of gluttony? And I think those two things are pretty important, Monty, because I don't think everybody's got that pinned down accurately. Now, most people have a, a different idea of what gluttony is than what we, when we study about it, what the Bible really defines it as. So yeah. I think that's important before we can discuss the subject properly to know what the yeah. word really means. Exactly, because you know having a right definition on any topic is vitally important. So we want to correctly define gluttony. Number three, what do we learn from Old Testament references to gluttony? Uh, number four, in the New Testament, Jesus was accused of being a glutton. How can this be explained? Number five, should Christians be concerned with the effects of food, too much, wrong kind, and so forth, on their physical bodies? And number six, what should a Christian do who has committed the sin of gluttony? So we'll try to cover those as we go through the course of our program tonight. Uh, so let's just start out with number one. Uh, what are some things that I think people wrongly try to identify as gluttony? Um, I don't think that it's gluttony, Monty, to just eat too much at one given meal. Eat more than your body physically requires at a given meal. If it were, I suspect that everyone in America could be, if that's what it meant, was just to eat too much at a particular meal. Everybody in America could be accused of being a glutton because I doubt if any of us, or very few of us, I'll put it that way at least, there's very few people in this nation that eat less than what is required to sustain them from, yeah. from day to day. I think that's true. But, of course, I mean, that wouldn't prove that, that we're right in doing it. No. But, but uh, Anthony, if you think about it, the idea of caloric intake was unknown in the days that the Bible was written, but they were still instructed to about gluttony. And right. so, so – uh, Back in Bible times, they wouldn't even have been able to calculate. They wouldn't even have known what a calorie was, much less be able to calculate it. Right. Uh, but even in our day and time, it's hard to know exactly how many calories you've consumed. I mean, there's a lot of labeling that's done now and packaging and a lot of resource where you can look up what are typical calories. But, you know, if you, had, if, if you, ate, a, uh, uh, you, if you ate some broccoli, you could estimate – the calories that you took in from this bunch of broccoli. I don't know what you call that. A, what do you Head, call it? Maybe Nasty. Head, uh, one of the, one of the <laughs> Something gross. <laughs> but, but, but you would still be making some approximation, you know, because a lot of times we can't accurately even measure the, the exact weight or what. So I'm, what I'm saying, in Bible times, they couldn't have, have even known how to, to measure their caloric intake. Even in our day and time, it's really hard sometimes to know how many calories you've taken in. So if it's if if eating some more than my physical body requires is gluttony, is it 10 calories too many? Is it 100 too many? Is it 1,000 too many? When do I cross that line? I don't think that that's a manageable standard. Anthony, right. your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I agree. And I think, you know, it's going to be different for, for every person, obviously. Um, 
you know, and you may, you know, sometimes too, I mean, just think about it. You may be halfway through a meal and then you realize, oh, I'm, you kind of realize later that you've overdone it. I mean, that's another thing too. You At the time you might feel okay, but an hour later, it's like, ooh, I really yeah. overdid it. You know yeah, I mean? because there is this thing called satiation, mm-hmm. to be satiated. Right. And, and sometimes uh, we've all had the experience of not being satiated. Until later, you realize, oh man, I I wish I had stopped, you know, right. before I ate that last chicken leg or something, you right. know, because you, you now feel too full. Right. Uh, I just don't think that's a really manageable way of trying to figure out. Well, what's there's going too many to... variables in that because it has to do with what you're eating. Because some foods tend to swell inside you a little bit after you've eaten them. Uh, it has to do with how fast you were eating because if you eat fast, you'll eat more before you feel satiated than if you're eating at a real slow, casual pace. So there's just too many variables, I really believe, for that to to be part of the equation here and determining what it means to be a glutton. Yeah. Now, when we get to the end of our discussion, we're going to talk about, I mean, I think it is a problem to overeat. And, 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 so, and I think we do need to guard ourselves. We'll talk about that in the course of our study. But I don't think you can define gluttony by saying at this given meal – I ate more calories or more. I took in more food than I should have in in at this particular setting. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, and therefore I am am a glutton, or yeah. therefore I am guilty of gluttony as of right now because yeah. I did that, you know, at that one meal. I just right. think I think it's on it's a, it's an unmanageable standard, and I think God in His wisdom would not put us in those straits to 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 give us a sin that has the potential to damn our souls and we don't know how to measure it. And you think about it too. I mean, we're eating at least most of us three meals a day, throw in a couple of snacks. I mean, that's a lot of opportunity and and again, so so that's a lot of danger there and then it's like, well, what is the line if it's not calories then Okay, it's how full you feel. Well, I mean, that's completely subjective and yeah. varies and so um I think, like you said, overeating at a specific meal, you know, Thanksgiving, we have a little bit too much pumpkin pie, you know, not in and of itself necessarily a problem. Yeah, yeah. In the chat room, John in Oklahoma says one cup of chopped broccoli, 91 grams, is 30 calories. And he says, thanks to the Internet. Well, there you go. We've got some resources that people before us would have never have had. Mm -hmm. To measure, but even at that, it's still you know. Well, how, see that, how, that how number packed, he used is an average. How packed was that cup of broccoli? Yeah. You know, chopped broccoli. You know, there's just too many. Variables but when he said there. 91 grams, I mean that's that's how much weight of broccoli had there. Then you've got your water content. Is this broccoli wet, wetter, more moist than others, therefore heavier? Yeah. So you really to measure the calorie content, you've got to have this sophisticated equipment to put it in and actually burn it up and see how much energy it output when you did it. Yeah. Well, if, when you've done that, then it's gone. You can't eat it anyway, so you've got to go back and get another hunk of it. So you, we're still just yeah. averages and approximations. Yeah. It's not an exact science as far as what we're actually eating goes. Okay, so it's not gluttony is not eating too much eating too much in a specific meal necessarily. I don't think that's the standard. I don't think it's gluttony. Just because a person enjoys food, uh, I really think food is to be enjoyed. I think there's plenty of biblical reference that suggests that food is a blessing from God to be, uh, and we're to be grateful for it, and we're to enjoy it, to receive it with thanksgiving. The scriptures says, you know, the Catholics have an idea about gluttony that I think is wrong, and it sort of parallel parallels what I think is their wrong idea about 
uh, sexual intimacy between a husband and a wife, for instance. The, the Catholics have always frowned on any pleasurable activity that doesn't serve a practical purpose. And so, for instance, and I don't want to misrepresent them on the matter of, of sexual intimacy in marriage, but the idea is that that's for procreation, and it, sh- and, and it should not be uh, viewed as just for pleasure. It is for a purpose. I think they're wrong about that. I think that, that intimacy between a husband and wife is for pleasure. I think it's a blessing from God. That's, a, that's another subject altogether. But I had a couple of quotes from them. Uh, the Catholic Encyclopedia, they try to define gluttony, eating too soon, too expensively, too much, too eagerly, too daintily. Well, I don't know. I don't know where I would go in the Bible to define it that way. And then from the Fifth Catholic Conference on the Eight Principal Vices, it says, we note that traces of this passion of gluttony are in us when perchance having been invited to eat by one of our brothers, we are not content to eat the food with the condiment with which it was seasoned by our host, but demand with importunate and unbridled boldness that something be poured on it or added to it. I love that one. That was, that was crazy. I was, I was almost laughing when when you read that one on Sunday. Yeah, in other words, if I ask you if I if you invite me for dinner, Monty, and and I said you got some salt and pepper, uh, you know, that, uh, then I I have crossed the line according to the cat. I yeah. just don't I just don't believe that that is so. Uh, again, I think that there are Bible references that suggest that food is to be enjoyed and that people did enjoy it as a blessing from God. Even the first Christians uh, in Acts 2, verse 46, they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house to eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Um, I think the idea that that the, that the eating and eating together and enjoying the, 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 the consumption of food and the company of others, I think that that's a, a pleasurable thing is implied in church discipline, you know, when when we if we have an unfaithful Christian, and the church must discipline an unfaithful Christian. In First Corinthians chapter five, Paul said, "With such a one, no, not to eat." Well, I think implied in that is that eating is a pleasurable thing, and eating in the company of others, especially, is a pleasurable thing. And we're going to withdraw that association from this unfaithful brother in an effort to restore him. But the, mm-hmm. but the point I'm making here is you would be taking away something pleasurable. Something that was enjoyable that we would like to do. Because yeah. if it's something we didn't like doing, if you took it away, we'd give thanks that it got took away oh, rather good. than I don't have to do that anymore. Yeah. Man, I'm glad I don't have to do that anymore. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's not the way it is uh, at all. Um, you know, I was thinking, my, uh, Anthony, you and I were talking about this the other night. In the Old Testament, what did they have? They had feasts. They didn't have snacks. They didn't have sack lunches. They had feasts. And, I mean, that's all through the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. And, again, I'm just suggesting that to say I don't think the fact that we enjoy eating makes us gluttons. I mean, uh, now I think we're going to talk in a minute about being addicted to food, and I think you might cross the line that way. But I don't think you're a glutton just because you enjoy the notion of food. Right. Well, right. God designed us to have to eat in order to nourish ourselves, and so it's reasonable to expect that he would want us to enjoy it so that we would nourish ourselves properly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, we're up to break time. We've got a couple more things we want. We're trying to get a handle on what is gluttony uh, from the Scriptures to properly define it. We'll, we'll continue the discussion right on the other side. Stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. Stay tuned. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. 
Hi, I'm Jack Coleman, a member of the College View Church of Christ, with a suggestion for you and your family. Why not turn off the TV on Thursday nights and gather the family around the computer for an hour of in-depth Bible study? The virtual Bible study always involves subjects of importance and interest to serious Bible students. So, why not join this Internet Bible study group every Thursday night? Here's some quotes worth pondering. Life is like riding a bicycle. To keep your balance, you must keep moving. Every accomplishment starts with the decision to try. Everyone who got where he is had to begin where he was. There's always a way if you're committed. Man, wish I'd said that. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. And we're back on the virtual Bible study. Uh, thanks for being there, joining in the discussion. We've got a lot of people in the chat room. We've got some emails that have come in, and we'll try to cover all that. We're just trying to get a handle on the topic of gluttony. Uh, Mike in the chat room says uh, we haven't heard any scriptures yet. Well, we, we tried to reference a couple there. You know, the fact of the matter is there's not a lot of scripture on gluttony. Uh, in the King James Version of the Bible, Gluttony is only uh, the term glutton is found two times in in the Old Testament, and gluttonous or gluttony found two times in the New Testament. That's in the King James. In newer translations, I think you probably would find maybe a couple of more uh, translations using that word in the Book of Proverbs in the Old Testament, and one more in the New Testament in Titus one verse twelve. The the two in the King James in the New Testament, the only two times the word glutton is mentioned is when Jesus was falsely accused of being one. That's the only time it is in the New Testament. Now, there's in newer versions, there's one other place in Titus 1, verse 12, where Paul says uh, the Cretans uh, are always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies. That's King James and newer translations call them uh, lazy gluttons. Uh, but there's just the if you want to find the word, uh, you don't find it very much in the Bible. But I think the concept is there, and that's what we want to get to. Um, one more thing, I, I think this is an important thing. When we're talking about what what gluttony is not. I think we have to point out that gluttony is not just necessarily a person who's overweight. In other words, you can't look at an overweight person and say, "Well, there's the guy; he's guilty of gluttony." I, uh, that that can't be because. There are a lot of factors that may go into a person being overweight, certainly eating too much. And we're going to talk more about that. And we've got to be careful about eating too much. That's not, not to be denied. But I think we have to be real careful about making judgment by appearances, Monty. That guy's, that guy's fat, therefore I'm sure he's a glutton. Well, you know, I, I know people that are overweight or what we would consider to be overweight in this country at least because if they've got hormonal issues that, they, that can't be controlled that causes their metabolism to be slow or severely slow, or causes them to gain weight even with a faster metabolism. There's lots of health, health issues that can be in play to cause a person to be overweight that they can't do anything about. I, I think you're right. I think there are genetic things that make some people more predisposed to be overweight than others. I, mm-hmm. uh, I think almost all of us have known you know, the guy who can eat everything in sight and never gain a pound. I was once that person, but I, I got I over too. it. I was too. I've changed. My metabolism changed. I, I was, I was uh, telling the other night that when back in high school when I was playing basketball and, and I was just as skinny as a rail and the coach wanted me to gain weight and I did everything possible to try and gain. I consumed as many calories as I could possibly cram down my throat and I couldn't gain weight at all. And so being skinny doesn't prove you're not a glutton and being overweight doesn't prove that you are. I just don't, uh, I mean, uh, there are other things, uh, um, 
health problems, emotional problems, stress, chemical imbalances. Uh, and, and by the way, what is the standard? Whose standard do we go by? If we're going to say overweight is gluttony, who, by, I mean, the standards change. I mean, you know, uh, there are, uh, medical people are constantly realigning their charts as to how much you should weigh for your body type and your height and so forth. Well, there's so many variables in that because when you go to look at one of these charts, well, you start out with your height, and then you've got to estimate: are you a, a stocky built person, your big bones, you know, the, your broad, the width of your shoulders and everything like that. So they, it's not just as simple as well. I'm six foot three, all the way 180 pounds. It's yeah. not. There's a lot of factors goes into that even. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> an email, Chris in Atlanta says one misconception is being called a glutton because one might uh, one night. At the eat all you can buffet or your typical dinner at Thanksgiving. In other words, he's saying eating too much at one meal. Mm-hmm. You're not a glutton because you ate at the all you can eat buffet or that you had the typical Thanksgiving dinner. Gluttony is never, gluttony is more of a habitual action than a one time deal. I think he's right about that. Uh, Ramona in Texas says that the, and we're going to, we're going to, she gives uh, a, Dictionary definition from the Holman Bible Dictionary. Greedy, voracious eating associated with stubbornness, rebellion, disobedience, drunkenness, and wastefulness. Uh, uh, We're going to look at that in a minute. Uh, She says a misconception that it only concerns eating too much. Really, it goes further and includes the whole picture of being idle, having a sense of entitlement, having loose morals, a lot of what we see in society today. And she's right about that. We'll we'll agree. And, And then Chris in England says... Uh, maybe people will say it's an addiction or an open display of excess bling, if you will. Uh, I do think that gluttony might be along the lines of addiction. Uh, he doesn't seem to think so. So we'll, we'll talk about that some more. Um, let's, as we try to get our handle on this definition, uh, let me give you some definitions from word studies um, Unger's Bible Dictionary says in the Old Testament, the Hebrew word zalal, to shake, hence to be loose morally, a debauchee, meaning a free liver, one who is unrestrained. I think that's the key word, Monty, we're going to come to mm-hmm. more and more is the idea of not exercising restraint, not being in control, out of control, no self-control. Uh, the International Standard Bible Dictionary says uh, to be lavish, to shake or pour out, to be a squanderer. Uh, in Greek, the term phagos uh, was applied to Christ in his freedom from asceticism. In other words, Jesus wasn't a person who just, uh, you know, lived on minimal rations in a in a hermit community of some kind. Uh, uh, he 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 wasn't that way, and so so since he wasn't an ascetic. They accused him of being gluttony, and we're going to talk about that, too. That was obviously a false charge, but that's how they used the term. I think the best, uh, getting to some Bible verses, um, let's see, are we missing anything, Anthony, in the chat room? Um, uh, you know, Jack, uh, I think Jack mentioned a, you know just a couple of just references uh verses that include the word gluttony or gluttonous, just to yeah, I want know, to put read them out those there. The, yeah. Um, you know, I think there's some comments on the line of, like you said, we can't assume someone is a glutton be- just because they're overweight. The same way we wouldn't, you know, make a judgment 
because someone dresses a certain way or has a tattoo, well, then they must be a, a criminal or a thug or a lowlife, you know, yeah. those kinds of things. So, yeah, you've got to be careful by judging by appearances. Right. The Bible right. warns us about that. Uh, John seven twenty four. Uh, guest 5476 says, There are some cultures that have a feast where they gorge themselves, then empty their stomach and gorge again. And he said that would be like gluttony. And I, I think it is, that would be the, the idea, just out of control eating, yes. out of control everything. Uh, d- uh, uh, an important verse in the Old Testament is Deuteronomy 21, beginning verse 18. It says, if a man have a stubborn and rebellious son, which will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and that when they have chastened him will not hearken to them, then shall his father and mother lay hold on him, bring him out to the elders of the city and to the gate of the place, and they shall say to the elders of his city, this our son is a stubborn rebellious, stubborn and rebellious, he will not obey our voice, he is a glutton and a drunkard, and all of the men of his city shall stone him with stones that he die. So thou shalt put away evil from among you, and all Israel shall hear and fear. I think it's interesting. He's called a glutton. It's associated with being a drunkard. But the whole of it was about the idea of being stubborn and rebellious. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's, a, it's a whole attitude toward things. Right. Uh, out of control. No restraint. He's stubborn. He's rebellious. It is evidenced by gluttony and drunkenness. Mm-hmm. But it is a it's a broader attitude of just being completely out of control. It's a lifestyle rather than just one individual issue. It's a whole complete lifestyle of these out of control issues. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Proverbs twenty three verse twenty beginning: Be not among wine bibbers, among riotous eaters of flesh. For the drunkard and the glutton shall come to poverty, and drowsiness shall clothe a man with rags. See the effect of that. He's out. He, he's he he can't control himself, and he he's a glutton and he's lazy. And he comes to poverty mm-hmm. because of his wrong attitude toward everything. He's, he, he can't discipline himself. And so I think gluttony, properly defined then, is just a lack of restraint and self-control about life in general. Food being part of that, of yeah. course, but not just limited to food. It's an, it's, an adi- it's an attitude that's manifested in all matters of life. Anthony? Yeah, and I think Jack uh, posted a, a really neat reference in the chat room. Proverbs twenty five sixteen in the New King James says, Have you found honey? Eat only as much as you need, lest you be filled with it and vomit. So, again, his, his commentary is, you know, this is the idea of only eat as much as you need. In other words, have self-control. Which is going along with what you were just saying. I think and, that's right. I mean, this idea of these these uh, feasts, like of the Romans and the and the things that they would do, and and causing themselves to vomit stuff like that. I mean, clearly that's that's way out of of the realm of self control and moderation yeah. uh, that that we're called to have as Christians. Exactly. Uh, John in the chat room says we might say that a glutton would fall within the fulfilling of the lust of the flesh and he references romans thirteen fourteen. it is more than fulfilling the needs of the body but the focus on fulfilling one of many lusts of the flesh sexual morality drunkenness reveling so forth this is it's, again and so it is that idea of being out of control uh no restraint and that's that's the general idea i think that we see uh about gluttony and so really it's it's a spiritual problem, Monty. It's not just a physical problem. It's not just whether I've eaten too much or might be overweight. It's a whole wrong attitude about life in general. You know, the amount we eat or the, or the size that we are <clears throat> may be symptoms or indicators 
that we're possibly leading a gluttonous lifestyle, but that's not what determines it. It's got to do with our attitude. You know, there's only two things in life <clears throat> that we can control, and that's our actions and our attitude, and our attitude is uh, reflected in the things that we do. We, it's displayed by our actions, and so it tells us our attitude is displayed in our actions so we can see what we're doing and find out what our attitude is. And so by these traits that is related to the gluttony, like the stubbornness or the rebellion or the disobedience or the drunkard, all of those are symptoms of this rotten attitude that we're having in our life, in our uncontrolled lifestyle. Yeah. Chris in Atlanta says gluttony is defined as habitual greed or excess in eating. Gluttony is a habit, not a one-time occurrence. Um, Loose and excessive living uh, is the general term a good for nothing a wasteful a waste roll riotous matthew eleven nineteen, 19 uh, proverbs twenty three twenty one. that's from ramona and chris in the uk says unrestrained self-indulgence with all, which often leads to deeper sin and a rejection of godly standards uh, uh so i i think all of of our emailers have agreed along that same line and i think that's the right definition it's it's a broader it's a broader notion and we're not saying that it's, it's okay to overeat, but it's a broader notion than that. And I think that's what we really yeah, want to Yeah, and I think, too, if you think about it in the New Testament times, I mean, to Jesus and his followers and so forth, and the average um, Jew, I was probably scraping by. I mean, I, you know, a lot of really thin and, and barely nourished people, I would suspect, in yeah. general. And so, but they're looking at the, the elite people and the... Um, you know the rulers and the wealthy people who are out there just you know partying and stuff in their faces and so there was i'm feel it probably safe to say there was a big divide a big disparity between how the average person was able to eat compared to you know the upper class people just going going nuts so um you take that into context and you and it does bring into focus more not the specific act of eating a meal and how much are you eating but the overall idea of just excess and and you know i think you're exactly right so. all right I, we, we, I think we've got a good handle on on the real biblical notion of uh gluttony uh, when we get back we want to look uh, to some of those old testament references which we've actually already done we want to talk about jesus being accused of being a glutton Uh, We'll look to some of that when we get back from this break. Stay with us. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. This is Greg Wynn with this week's Bullet Point. The story of Jonah and the whale? That's a hard one to swallow. So says the skeptic. And as Bible believers, we have been forced to go on the defensive. Some have labored long and hard to prove that a whale really could swallow a man. You may have seen articles which cited historical accounts of men who have experienced similar things. One such report was found in the April 4, 1896 edition of Literary Digest. It tells of one James Bartley who was swallowed by a whale and lived for a day and a half before being rescued. While accounts such as this may be interesting, they really are unnecessary. We don't need them in order to believe what the Bible says about Jonah. What happened there was a miracle. The scripture says that, quote, the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah, Jonah chapter 1, verse 17. Whether or not an ordinary whale could accomplish such a feat and whether or not a man under normal circumstances could survive as Jonah did does not matter. In this case, God was involved. And if we believe in an all-powerful God, this should be no harder to accept than any other miracle taught in the Bible. But there is yet another way to look at this subject. 
Jesus provides more evidence for the case. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 40, Jesus said, As Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jesus staked his credibility to the accuracy of the story about Jonah. That being so, then all the evidence concerning Jesus, his miracles, his resurrection, and so forth, can also be used to validate the account of Jonah and the whale. It really happened. Jesus said so, and that settles it. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Hello, I'm Nick Law from Jennings, Florida. I love to listen to the virtual Bible study and hear God's Word taught every Thursday night. Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. And we're back on the virtual Bible study. I want to remind you that this program is brought to you each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. If you're in the Middle Tennessee area, we want to invite you to uh, visit us at College View. We'd be glad to uh, meet you. And uh, we're always open for Bible study and discussion of God's Word. So if you're in our area, please stop by. Uh, if you're not in our area, you can learn more about us and take advantage of some resources that we have available on our website at collegeview.com, collegeview.com. We're talking about the subject of gluttony tonight, and it is certainly an important Bible subject. Uh, uh, I, I think we've done a, a, an appropriate job, Monty, of trying to get a handle on the real meaning of it. Uh, it's a serious thing. It's not to be taken lightly at all. You know, it's not spoken well of when we the few scriptures that are in the New Testament or the Old Testament about it. It's never something that's praised. So since it's something that's frowned upon in the Bible, it does, it's, we need to know what it is and avoid it in our life. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I want to bring into the discussion is the idea that we can be addicted to food like we can be addicted to other things. And Paul stated a principle in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12, that really needs to, again, be factored into this whole idea of disciplining ourselves, showing self-restraint. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12, all things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. And I think that's really an important thing here. And, it may, and it's, it's in this general umbrella topic of being in control, not, not being out of control or lacking restraint. But I mean, you can be addicted to a variety of different things, and and one of them can be food. And, you know, that should be a principle that would govern our relationship to food. I'm not going to be brought under the power of anything. Yeah, we don't need to be addicted to anything at all because, you know, I've known people in the past that were addicted to tobacco, the nicotine in the tobacco. And they would talk about how they were trying to quit smoking and they didn't have any cigarettes in the house. And they woke up at two or three in the morning and just overcome with this urge to have it. And so they'd get up in the middle of the night and go down to the corner market and get them some cigarettes so they could satisfy that urge. And I was amazed at that, that they would say things like that because I thought, I'm not getting up at two or three in the morning for, for anything like that. Sleep's too valuable to me. I don't get enough of it as yeah. it is. That's and addiction. That's an, but that was an addiction that was causing them to be that way. And it can be the same way for food. I've seen known of people that were the same way about food. They wake up, oh, I got to have something to eat, and they, and they go and rush in and get stuff at, at all sorts of odd hours or in inappropriate times because they just feel like they've got to have that something to eat. Yeah, uh, Anthony, uh, some some food substances really do have an addictive property, especially sugars, yeah, carbohydrates. Oh, yeah, and I I was watching a documentary recently, a food documentary, which is kind of fun, and I think it's weird. But <laughs> <laughs> some of them are weird. I actually was watching one that got a little bit wacky, but 
But basically, if I can remember right, you know, the same neural pathways that are involved in you know, eating sugar and what that does to your brain and what it lights up in your brain is the same things that light up, you know, if you were to take cocaine or other kinds of drugs. So it affects it's the same very, pleasure centers. Right. Thank you. Yeah, well, right. So, um, you know, it's absolutely addictive. And I mean, you can even just see that in your own practice. I mean, if you have, I mean, at least for me, I can tell, like if I have something really sweet, a few minutes, half an hour, something later, I want even more. I want something yeah. more because it's like, I, you know, I'm on that hot sugar rush and my body starts craving more sugar, and then that can extend over a period of days, weeks, months, years. And it's sort of like you get on this sugar train, and you, you can't get off of it unless you force yourself to get off of it, and then the cravings go away. So, yes, I think it's definitely addictive. And um, not to get too far afield, but as you think about it, the, the food companies, the, the big food, the craft. And, they know uh, this. Oh, man. They spend billions of dollars engineering this food to specifically make you addicted to it so that you'll keep buying it. Yeah. Um, and so it's just you know, it's a shame. I'm going to go out a little bit on a limb here. Not everybody may agree with me. But uh, I think that this may be – more this this may bullseye the problem of eating more than the than the term gluttony does uh, I, this idea of being addicted to it craving it almost going through a withdrawal if i can't have my sugar uh i think that that you know paul's statement not to be brought under the power of anything i think this may be to me hones in on the problem more than this more i think general term gluttony uh gluttony i think is 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 so broad and has a somewhat vague connotation to it but being addicted is is understandable and and paul really condemned that uh in that statement of first corinthians chapter 6 12 for for me that, that seems to to at least that registers more on my scale than than this term gluttony does yeah, because like I said, we can be addicted to anything, and whatever it is, we need to get rid of it. And if it, you know, we need to control that addiction. And if it's food, then we need to learn to control that too. I want to skip one question and go to this one because it's in in the line with what we're talking about right now. Should Christians be concerned about the effects of food too much, wrong kind, on their physical bodies? I, I hope everybody would agree that the the answer to that is yes. You know we. Monty, for years we've had to talk to people about using tobacco, mm-hmm. and one of the one of the arguments that we make to people to tell them you shouldn't be using tobacco is because it harms your physical bodies. And the verse that we always go to is First Corinthians chapter six, verse nineteen and twenty. What know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, and you have uh, which you have of God, and ye are not your own, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. I think we've used that fairly. To condemn using tobacco, I think the same principle would be applied to harming my body by eating in such a way that is is not healthful. Uh, now, again, that's sort of a sliding scale. I think I don't I don't think you can say, well, that right there when you ate that uh, that's the bite that put you that over the bite top. of that second donut <laughs> put me over the limit on that, but. 
but it is a principle. There's a uh, there's a principle there that I should that I should take care of this physical body, mm-hmm. uh, and and therefore I do need to be concerned about eating too much or eating the wrong kinds of things. That has to be on my radar scale, Anthony. I agree. I mean, in a, you know, I think. Yeah, I think I made the point in the chat room earlier, you know, our influence as Christians can be weakened if we are known to be someone who has a lack of temperance, might be an older English word, we might use a lack of self-control when it comes to food, or if I'm known as the guy who, you know, eats three dozen donuts a day, yeah. and, and you can tell by the way I look, because specifically because of that, um, you know, then that, you know, who, that, that that shows. Um, I don't know. I think that reflects poorly on on. Yeah, you can uh, hurt your influence right. with it. So that'd be another consideration. Well, in our definition sure. of gluttony, we was talking about a lack of restraint. You know, we need to be able to restrain ourselves from doing things that's going to unnecessarily abuse our body. There's some things we do that we may harm us that, that can't be avoided. I mean, if, if where we live, the air is polluted, we got to breathe, and so we would try not to get an excessive amount of that. But nevertheless, we can't avoid that. But we can regulate the amount of food we take in or the amount of anything that we do. Yeah. And and I do think that we've got to be concerned about caring for our physical bodies. Therefore, we should. Now, we've got a lot of information available. I know, Anthony, you've, you've availed yourself of a lot of information about nutrition and proper eating and so forth. There's a lot of information out there, maybe so much that you can't even – I don't mean this to be a pun. You can't digest it all, <laughs> but uh, the uh, but you don't have to be a you don't have to be a nutritionist to know there are some things that need to be avoided or used in in extreme moderation. Uh, you know, you mentioned earlier, Anthony eating pumpkin pie at Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. I like pumpkin pie, and Thanksgiving's a good time to eat it. But I don't need to be eating pumpkin pie every day, right? You know, so uh, uh, Jack in the chat room mentions. Uh, we should be people of moderation, and and I think that's right. Uh, moderation is the very idea of self-control, and we need to be self-controlled people for sure. I believe that God expects us to be a disciplined people in every aspect of our life. I mean, Paul even talked about bodily exercise profits a little. It doesn't hurt us to do a little bit of exercise. It's good for us. There's profit to it, he said. But we can overdo that to the point that we're damaging our bodies too. Yeah. So mm-hmm. just like with the food we need to control ourselves with, we've got to control ourselves with exercise. All of the th- things that we might refer to as passions in our life need to be done in moderation so that we're not damaging our spiritual, bo- our physical body with it, which the Bible describes as a temple of God, and we're not to defile it. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. Now, I mean, I think you could. I think we could become obsessed with, you know, this, you know, uh, to the point that we emphasize that to the exclusion of other things that are important. You know, you, you may become so obsessed with healthy eating that you spend most every waking hour trying to figure out the the right thing to eat and the, and avoiding the wrong thing to eat. I, 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 we don't have to become compulsive about it, but we have to be mindful and careful about it. I think for sure. Um, I had another thought. Now it's now it's left me. Um, but again, the idea is we we've got to care for our physical bodies, uh, and and again, common sense is going to factor into that. Yeah. And 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 availing ourselves of the information that's that is out there in our day and time. And you know, as far as taking care of our physical bodies, I mean, I I agree. And you know, we. Uh, 
it, that's a, another thing where it's like, well, am I taking care of it or not? You know, what 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 define you know if I have high blood pressure, does that mean oh I'm I'm bad? I need to, you know, I mean, there's some judgment, personal judgment on that as well. But as far as that topic goes, I, we were saying in the chat room that you know you don't have to be overweight to be unhealthy or to be abusing your body or be addicted right like smoking for example you'd be a perfectly thin person but if you're a smoker you're damaging your body um you know and you can be eating terribly as far as what your body needs and be thin but have all kinds of other health issues so it's not your weight is not the overall determining factor and and i don't mean this to be a cop-out but Food is a difficult area because, like with tobacco, I don't need any tobacco. I can just avoid that completely. Yeah. Alcohol, I don't need any alcohol. I can avoid alcohol completely. But I got to have some food, and therefore I got that makes it more challenging to make the the appropriate decisions about what is right and what is the correct amount, and and uh, you know avoiding addiction. I could, you know, I can avoid addiction to tobacco by saying. I'm just never going to use any, yeah. and I don't. Even, I never have to worry about it. I can avoid addiction to alcohol because I never take any. I'm not going to. I don't have to worry about that. But I've got to have food, and therefore I I I, I open myself up to the damages or the or the temptations of going too far with food. But, right. But that's like any other thing that we're tempted with. We've got to learn to control that. God expects us to control ourselves when we're tempted, and to and. To avoid those kind of things, so we can avoid by temptation of, of excessive eating in various ways. We don't put so much on our plate. Yeah, you know mm-hmm. I mean that's a simple thing. Don't load the things heavy, and then we're not as likely to eat so much. Yeah. Real quickly, uh, Chris in Atlanta says we're commanded to be good stewards in spreading the gospel. If our bodies are broken down because of poor lifestyle choices, such as gluttony leading to morbid obesity, tobacco leading to cancer, and so forth, we are being irresponsible with the bodies we've been given and not able to do the work of the church effectively. Therefore, I feel strongly that we should be concerned with staying as healthy as we can. Having said that, we should not be so focused on our bodies that we lose sight of our spiritual lives. We should be good stewards of all that God has given us, including our time, money, bodies, family, possessions, so forth. We also need to be aware of damaging our influence by being a glutton. I would agree with all of that, Chris, in Atlanta. Uh, Ramona says, a year ago I had gastric sleeve operation as my weight had gotten the best of me. Don't know if I was glutton, but food certainly did cause it and not enough exercise. Could hardly walk, hard to breathe, and so forth. Since then, I can now walk everywhere and do more, and am in good health, and thus do more for the Lord. Uh, good for you, Ramona. Appreciate your your diligence in that. Um, Chris in the U.K. says, yes, moderation in all things. Yes, I don't want people going to excess. Neither do I want going the other way and consciously starving themselves to be a size zero, for instance, for a girl. To be the best we can be for God, we should try as we are able to keep ourselves in good health. Also, you do your witness, uh, talking about your your ability to influence others. You do your influence no favors at all to be seen falling drunk out of a bar or taxi or emptying your stomach at the side of the street. I think all good points. we got one break to take, and then we're going to go to the top of the hour. What about Jesus being accused of being a glutton? How will we answer that? We'll be right back. Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The virtual Bible study continues after this announcement. 
This is Stephen Nicholson, a member of the College View Church of Christ, and I want to invite you to be a regular participant on the virtual Bible study. Your input by way of emails and phone calls are always welcome during the live program. We're also open to your suggestions about possible topics for discussion on upcoming editions of the program. We'd love to hear from you anytime. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. In spite of statistics pointing to family and child-rearing problems, today's parents give themselves good grades overall for the job they're doing raising their children. Among all parents with children under age 18, 24% said they have done an excellent job. An additional 45% say they have done a very good job. Some 24% say they have done a good job. And only 6% rate their job as parents as fair or poor. That information is via Pew Research. The Word of God says in 1 Samuel chapter 3, beginning verse 12, In that day I will perform against Eli all the things which I have spoken concerning his house. When I begin, I will also make an end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth, because his sons made themselves vile, and he restrained them not. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. And we're back for our final segment of the virtual Bible study tonight. Uh, We're talking about uh, the problem of gluttony. Uh, Really, it is the idea of being out of control, showing no self-restraint, Uh, we've talked about the danger of being addicted to food. We've talked about how we can harm our physical bodies by not eating properly, eating too much, eating the wrong kinds of things. Had a quick question about, we asked, how are you going to deal with the accusation that Jesus was a glutton? In Matthew chapter 11, there's two places, Matthew chapter 11, 19, and Luke chapter 7, verse 34. Actually, those are the only two verses in the New Testament that use the word gluttony. Uh, in Matthew eleven nineteen, the Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Behold, a gluttonous and a wine-bibber, a man gluttonous and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners, but wisdom is justified of, of, of her children. What about that, Monty? Uh, Jesus accused of being a glutton. Well, the problem we have here is these uh, Pharisees were looking for anything in the world they could possibly accuse Jesus of that, to, to discredit him because he had a great following. People, The people enjoyed his teaching. They they could tell he was a messenger from God because of the miracles that he did. And so they had to find some way to <coughs> excuse me, to discredit him. And so they commented, well, John the Baptist's disciples and the, and the Pharisees' disciples, they fast regularly, but your disciples don't. So they were saying, because you don't take a certain time frame each week or you know regular intervals and starve yourself, then you must be a glutton. Well, the fact that I'm not fasting does not necessarily imply that I'm a glutton. The fact that I'm not doing things, I mean, they even referred to him that, they'd, that his disciples didn't wash their hands. You know, they were unrestrained in it. They didn't wash their hands properly before they ate. Well, that was a tradition of men, not a tradition that had been handed down by God. So basically what they're saying is because you don't do it the way we like it and we need to discredit you somehow, we're going to accuse you of all these, this riotous living that goes along with gluttony. Yeah, yeah. I think you have to take it as being what it is. It's an it's an accusation by his enemies trying yeah. to discredit him, and so you know um, he wasn't a wine bibber either. He wasn't a drunk. Mm-hmm. He he wasn't. But they they just they're just you know it's sort of the old idea: throw as many charges at him as he as they can, see which ones will stick. Yeah, if you throw enough mud on the wall, some of it's going to stick. Yeah, and that was what they were trying to do. It's a false charge, it, it but it does show that the Jews understood that gluttony was a sin. They're, mm-hmm. they're trying to charge him with sin. And so they understood that it was a sinful thing, and, and they were trying to discredit him by saying he's a sinful man. They contrasted him with John. John, uh, in Luke chapter 7, the other place, John the Baptist, 
This is John 7, 33. John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you say he hath a devil. So they, so they, they, they accused John because he was a, a person who lived a, a, a very ascetic lifestyle. He's got a devil. Yeah, he, that man's demon-possessed. We can't listen to him. But then they, they turned the thing over, and the next verse, the son of man has come eating and drinking, and you say, behold, a gluttonous man and a wine-bever, a friend of publicans and sinners. So they, you couldn't please them yeah. either way you went. And that and it just shows that it was a false and, and uh, biased accusation. Right. Any thoughts, Anthony? No, I think you got it right. I think, you know, Jesus was, you know, he was eating with the sinners. He he didn't, like you said, he, he wasn't uh, practicing asceticism or the idea of extreme self-deprivation. He wasn't doing that. Yeah. And so they were saying, just like you said, they were contrasting him with John, who was more on that end of the spectrum. And they were saying, well, look, aha, he's, he's taking it to excess, but definitely a, a false charge, clearly, from the context. In the chat room, guest 5330 says, Jesus was contrasted with John the Baptist. John fasted and did not drink wine, while Jesus did come eating and drinking wine. Jesus, uh, we've talked about the wine thing there. I don't want to leave the impression that we believe Jesus was drinking intoxicating wine. I don't think he was. Jesus was going to be attacked by hard-hearted people, regardless of what he would do. He abused neither food nor wine and did not indulge in excess but that would not stop people from slandering him. I think that's the idea. They were just trying to slander him. Um, you know, you get the impression in Luke here as you read on through here that, you know, they've slandered him for over this. And then it says, then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. So we're yeah. saying, you know, uh, you're, you're a drunkard and a glutton, you're a wine bibber and a glutton, you eat too much. Hey, let's go to supper. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. That's self contradictory. Uh, Chris in the UK says uh, uh, they, tried, they tried to. Pin him by a fault. Uh, it was guilt by association, mm-hmm. a faulty charge. Uh, and and he says they when they had a chance to accuse him of sin later when they were trying him, uh, they didn't mention that. If it was if he was guilty of that sin, they didn't mention it. Um, Ramona says they accused him of being a glutton and a drunkard when the Pharisees saw him with publicans and sinners and others. It was if they were saying birds of a feather flock together. What he was really doing was reaching to those who were lost in sin and needed salvation. Um, and Chris in Atlanta says they were attempting to discredit him by accusing him of being a drunkard and a glutton because of who he was and what he was teaching, who, who, who he was teaching and, and dining with. All right, real quickly, we're just about out of time. I think we've talked about an important subject, but I, I don't think we can end the subject by without talking about what should we do if we realize we've got the problem that we've been talking about tonight? Gluttony, if you want to use that, I think, a really broad term. Uh, if you want to talk about addiction to food, if you want to talk about harming our physical bodies by, th- by not eating properly, it, all of that, what are we going to do if, if we realize that we've got the problem, Monty? Well, the first thing we've got to do is admit that it's a problem for us because we're not going to do anything toward fixing it till we recognize and admit that we've got a problem. And then we need to identify what's causing this problem in our life. Uh, like we've talked about, it has to do with stubbornness and rebelliousness. It's got a lot to do with our attitude. So we need, as we talked about earlier, that's one of the few things in life that we can control is our attitude. So we've got to go about correcting our attitude. And then in the process of doing that, we're going to change the way we live. We're going to change our actions which would, we would say refer to as repentance. So if we've got this problem with gluttony, we've got to identify it, take corrective actions, change our life so that we can get it out of our life. Yeah. 
I think that's right. I think uh, Jack in the chat room says physical appetites are an analogy of our ability to control ourselves. If we are unable to control our eating habits, we're probably unable to control other habits, uh, such as those of the mind, lust, covetousness, anger, and unable to keep our mouths from gossip or strife. If we are, if if uh, excuse me, we are not to let our appetites control us, but we are to have control over appetites. I think that's right. And I would agree with you, Monty, that if I see that I've got this problem, then what, what do you do when you have a sinful problem in your life? You confess it and you repent. And you, do, you, you change that. You, uh, I, I do think the idea of confessing uh, is valuable there, you know, because I bring myself into account. If I confess my fault to you, Monty, this is what James 5.16 says, confess mm-hmm. your faults one to another, pray for one another that you may be healed, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man of Elma. Confession is good for me because, first, it causes me to own up to what my problem is. And secondly, I, I, I make myself accountable to you when I have confessed to you this problem. Well, another benefit to the confession is that I may not know how to fix the problem myself. It, it may be something that's beyond my education or my knowledge of what to do about it. Well, if I come and tell you, Greg, I've got a problem in this area, and you can say, okay, I know what to do to help you with this. I know how to help you. Or you might say, I don't know how to fix it either, but I know somebody that does, and you can send me in the direction I need to know to get the help I need. So it's it's admitting I've got the problem, and it's asking for help and finding whoever it is that can help me to overcome this difficulty in my life. I agree. I agree. Bottom line, it is the matters of exercising self-control. Mm-hmm. If gluttony is lack of restraint in a big general way, then the opposite of that is exercising self-restraint, being self-disciplined, controlling myself. First Peter 5, verses 8 and 9, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith. And so uh, as Christians, we are to be <coughs> people in control, under control. Uh, we're disciplining ourselves, and we just got to do that. Any thoughts, right. Anthony? No, I think you're right, and I think, you know, what comes to mind too is what should you do i mean if you i mean there has to be a level of self-examination and self-awareness to say to open your eyes and say i you know i i'm addicted to food i'm addicted to sugar i'm addicted to uh sun drop or whatever it is um and you have to have that but i think it's hard for us to do that um, because we're we're so wrapped up in things, it yeah. could be any sin, but we may not see it, and we might. So we need someone to point it out, and yeah. you know that's a difficult job for the person who may see it in your life to come to you. Sometimes we don't want to hurt people's feelings, we yeah. don't want to be seen as uh, as mean or confrontational, but sometimes that's what it takes. But yeah. if you do realize it, you know, reach out for help. I mean, I think a lot of times in our society, folks are confused. I mean, I don't want to get off on a soapbox, but one of the issues that's driving, I think, our our health crisis uh, in this country is there's so much confusion. People are constantly being told, eat this, don't eat that, go on this diet, that diet. Um, Nobody knows what to do. And you're told so, <laughs> this year you need to eat this. The next year you're saying if you eat this, it'll kill you. Right, so, I right. mean, you don't know. Right. It's so hard. reach hard. out for help. I mean, yeah. talk to others. I mean, yeah. that's what we're here for. Chris in Atlanta says, repent, ask forgiveness, pray for strength. I have battled weight issues all my life. If I do not carefully monitor what I eat, then I will look like Fat Albert's twin. Seek help if needed. Food addiction is just as harmful as alcohol or tobacco addictions. I think that's right. Ramona in Texas says, 
examine yourself. If we, uh, do you feel you have this sense of entitlement? That's the way she was defining gluttony. Gluttony is a terrible sin. However, we can be forgiven of it and can avoid future temptation by being in a right relationship with the Lord. Uh, Chris in the UK says, guard yourself from falling uh, uh, into the same thing. Restore such a one gently with prayer and wisdom. Put a good accountability circle in place to support them, I think. He he offered a, a number of other New Testament verses. None of them mention the word gluttony, but all of them are, and I just wanted to point out, Chris, I got that, all of them had the idea of self-control discipline being a dis- and and the whole idea of being out of control or undisciplined is condemned throughout the scriptures and i think that's a fair point all right we're out of time i think we've had an important discussion monty anthony uh i hope we can all do better yeah. uh, i think i surely we can that's our obligation is yeah. to strive to do better yeah right i think it's a good topic i think we need to raise awareness of this and at the root of it as we've said over and over self-control and no one can deny that self-control is a is a, a must for a christian so uh so we got to start thinking about this all right great well that wraps up the virtual bible study for uh, june or june january the 22nd 2015 we're glad that you've been with us on the program I hope that the things we've talked about have been helpful and uh, hope us hope that we can all put into practice some of the principles we've talked about in our study tonight. Thanks for being out there. We'll look forward to seeing you same time, same place next week. Good evening. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.